plan. Help Welcome to, to this Jesus. week's episode of the North Bible Church Father, Podcast. Right now, now let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Well, good morning, North Bible family. It's good to be with you this morning. What would happen if the people that you knew best and the people that knew you best were asked by you to write down nine or ten words that best described you? You ask your spouse, you ask your, some of you are laughing already, like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a nightmare. Well, Wes just graduated with some extra counseling degrees, so Wes can help you if you're asking your spouse. And those answers create a spicy conversation. But if you ask your spouse, your kids, your parents, your best friends, like, hey, write down nine or ten words that you think best describe me. What words do you think would make that list? And what words would you hope would make that list? And would these words make that list that you were loving and joyful and peaceful and that you were patient, and that you were kind, and good, and faithful? Would they say that you're gentle? Would they say that you're self-controlled? Would those words even make the list? These are versions of what is called the fruit of the Spirit, characteristics that are to be true of those who are followers of Jesus Christ. These qualities that we will experience in us and that others would experience from us as we come to Christ and grow in Christ, this fruit. And we cannot self-generate this fruit of the Spirit. It has to come from what God is growing in us and cultivating in us through the Holy Spirit. The only way to uh, experience and develop the fruit of the Spirit is to walk in the Spirit, walk by the Holy Spirit of the living God who lives and dwells inside of each and every follower of Christ. And that's what we're going to focus on today as we continue in our fall teaching series through the book of Galatians. We just have a few weeks left. And our focused idea today is this. The Spirit-led person will experience a fruit-filled life. Would you just say that with me? The Spirit-led person will experience a fruit-filled life. That's what we want to focus on today as we get back into the book of Galatians. So with that, grab your Bibles, fire up your Bible apps. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. That's where we are. We're picking up where we left off from earlier and from last week. And we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be starting in verse 16. We're going to read a little bit unpack it, learn, apply, and just move through the rest of Galatians chapter 5 in our time together today. And so looking at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, here's what we see God speaking through his spirit, through the apostle Paul, uh, to the Galatians, this early first century church in modern day Turkey, ancient Galatia, but it's still for us today. Here's what he says. He says, but I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's pause there. There's a spiritually fearful mindset that says we need 
religious legalism to keep us in check. That if we're only armed with God's grace, if we're only armed with the Holy Spirit, that we might just fly off the rails. But that's wrong. All we need is the indwelling Holy Spirit of the living God. This is the teaching that God had the Apostle Paul confronting in the first century. And, and we've still seen that type of teaching uh, rule and reign in many spiritual contexts, religious contexts today. That, man, if you don't have rules, you're just, just going to fly off the rails. And so we're going to swim around in this a little bit today and learn a little bit more because the reality is if we, as God's Word says, walk by the Spirit, which means, by the way, living our lives moment by moment, day by day, surrendered to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the prompting, the nudging of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to really need the rules as much because God's Spirit's going to direct you what to do and what not to do in your life. Here's just a few simple examples. Uh, the Holy Spirit might nudge you to pray for a person or a situation, uh, to leave certain situations, or to speak or to remain silent in certain conversations. The Holy Spirit might lead you to avoid certain people or to befriend and influence others. As a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit truly will lead you, but he's not going to force you to speak. He's not going to force you to act. He's going to try to lead you and guide you and nudge you. The question is, will you and I respond to the Holy Spirit's nudges? Or are we going to basically say, well, my spirituality, my religious thinking is going to be based on rules I have to follow. That is so not life-giving. And that's why so many people, yourself included, maybe some of your loved ones are going, I'm not doing church. I'm not doing God. I'm not doing the Bible. I'm not doing Jesus. It's all about rules. No, it's not about rules. It's about loving the one who loves you most. It's about following his leadership in your life. When Jesus Christ came into your life as your Savior, when you professed faith in the Lord and said, I believe I'm a sinner, and I believe that Jesus, the Son of the living God, God in the flesh, died on the cross for my sin, was buried, was raised, and ascended to heaven. When I believed that and the Holy Spirit of the living God came to live inside of me, Jesus became the leader of your life. He leads you. He guides you. But do we follow? Now, when we're not walking by the Spirit, we obey the desires of the sarks. S-A-R-X. Like, wow, what is that? Sarks is the Greek word for flesh. So it's an interesting word. It doesn't mean your flesh and bones. And we're not talking about this. It's the corrupted human inner desires, the flesh. It's our fallen sinful nature and its passions. And our flesh takes what God has made that's beautiful and good, and our flesh distorts it. Our flesh converts good, God-given gifts into unhealthy and devastating, destructive appetites and impulses. For example, our flesh converts uh, a need for life's resources into greed. The flesh uh, turns food into gluttony. The flesh turns confidence into arrogance. It's the flesh that will turn healthy persuasion into manipulation. It is the flesh that will turn God's gift of sex into the most personally devastating forms of immorality that we can experience. And so we live this ongoing standoff 
We live in this ongoing tension and tug of war between the flesh and the spirit. And the Lord loves us enough to say, I'm not going to force you to obey me, but I'm going to help you to obey me. And leaves it up to us. Which is so interesting because usually when we give in to the desires of the flesh, when our loved ones give in to the desires of the flesh, who do we typically blame first? Who? God. Where are you? Why did you let this happen? He's like, hey, <laughs> there was an exit sign. My Holy Spirit lit it up for you, but you and your loved ones didn't take it. And now you're mad at me. I know sometimes it could be more complex than that, but that's basically what we're looking at here, this, this tension, this conflict. And what verse 17 says is very interesting. It says, this, this opposition happens to keep you from what you want to do. What does that mean? Well, it basically plays out this way. When you want to walk in the Spirit, the flesh is there to oppose you. <laughs> and when you want to give in the desires of the flesh, the Holy Spirit there is going to oppose that. Which one are you going to obey? And so it's this ongoing standoff. Now, the celebration that we have and the good news is the Holy Spirit is stronger. The Holy Spirit is better, always, than the flesh. It's his supernatural and gracious provision to fight the fight of our destructive inner desires. So he's there providing his Holy Spirit as a gracious gift. He gives himself, his own presence, to help us win the war against our flesh. In fact, in Romans 8, 5 through 6, it says, For those who live according to the flesh, their minds are on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So God repeatedly paints this picture of what happens to us, the condition we find ourselves in, the situations we find ourselves in when we are always surrendering to the flesh rather than the spirit. We see in Galatians 5 verse 8, it says this, it's a curious phrase, if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. What does that mean? Well, simply put, it means the solution or the remedy to the flesh is not the law that God provided. It's the spirit that God provided. The law, you know, when you think about the Ten Commandments, and it's beyond the Ten Commandments, but typically when we think law, the Ten Commandments is a good place to start, right? So this law confronts our fleshly lust and behavior, but it's the Holy Spirit of God that defeats it. No rule can defeat the flesh. Only God's work through his spirit can conquer the flesh. The law reveals how uh, vulnerable we are, how weak we are, how rebellious we are. But the law cannot change a heart. The law doesn't cause repentance. It is the spirit that causes repentance. And so they work hand in hand. The law tries to motivate righteousness to us from the outside, but the spirit of God produces the righteousness of Christ in our lives from the inside. Both are of great value, but the flesh does all the heavy lifting against us, and the Holy Spirit does all the heavy lifting for us. That's what we see. And so the law is a way to motivate us, but the Spirit's the way to change us. We aren't walking in the Spirit when we're surrendered to the flesh, and when we surrender to the flesh, it does not look pretty. It gets really ugly, really fast, and we all know it. Look at the sampling 
of what the flesh will produce. Look at Galatians 5.19. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Don't you love that? It's like, look, it's obvious. You don't have to do a deep dive to go, I wonder if this person's in the flesh or the spirit here, right? It's very obvious. It's evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. Those are all sexual in nature, right? Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like that. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So when we look at that list, like we don't have to really unpack those terribly, right? But here's what we do know. The Holy Spirit of God will not lead you into sexual sin. The Holy Spirit of God will not lead you into impurity. And what we see here are these descriptions of sexual sins that cover everything from unfaithfulness of marriage, sexual activity outside of the biblical definition of marriage between a man and a woman. It includes attitudes that eagerly run into sexual sin. It includes sexually crude speech. It includes having no conviction if we're watching sexually explicit material. Uh, it's just living sexually indulgent and unrestrained lives with no shame, but a lot of justifications why it's okay. That's, that's what the flesh will lead us down. And the flesh won't be there to comfort you or help you when it causes pain in your life and the lives of others. The Holy Spirit will not lead you to sorcery or witchcraft. Some of you know this. It's a very interesting connection. It's not what you always think. Some of you are like, well, we can't watch Harry Potter then. We're going to go to hell. It's like, no, that's not, that's not what this is saying. And that's your personal conviction. Great. It's just basically saying the Holy Spirit will not lead you to sorcery, witchcraft, which is the word pharmakia. What does that word sound like? Pharmacy. And so the word witchcraft is sorcery here is pharmakia. So any use of potions, drugs, spells, anything that involves the recreational use of a hallucinogen and such, that's a problem. And historically and globally, those are tied to occultic practices. Like you dive into the rainforest, you know, and look at some of these indigenous tribes, um, they actually will make drugs, you know, and take the drugs in order to connect with the great spirits that live around them. You, if, you, if you look at a cult and demonic activity, you're going to find a lot of drug activity tied to that. And so that, that's the pharmakia, and the Holy Spirit's not going to lead you there. God wants us to be under the influence of his spirit, not under the influence of a substance. So the Holy Spirit's not going to lead you to mess around with drugs. We know that. It's evident. The Holy Spirit will also not lead you to hate others, to have a hate for others. The Holy Spirit won't create that in us or to be contentious or argumentative. There's some people who pride themselves on like, I love being the contrarian. I love being argumentative. When I hear that, I go, you love being in the flesh because that's the work of the flesh to always be the contrarian, always be contentious and argumentative. The Holy Spirit's not going to lead you to be jealous or envious or to lose your temper. Every time I've lost my temper, I knew I was in the flesh. The Holy Spirit never sat back and went, ha-ha, good job, Chad. That was, that was a good one right there. Never. I know I'm in the flesh when I lose my cool. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to ambitious pursuit of profit and power. The Holy Spirit will never lead us to be divisive. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to get drunk or to, here's the awkward word alert, right, have orgies. Uh, a lot of Bible translations will say carousing. It's the Greek word uh, komos, which is actually also a name of a Greek god. 
And the word komos there describes unrestrained partying. It's a gathering where anything goes as far as sexual sin, drunkenness, drugs, all at the same time. It's not a pretty list. And yet every single one of us, let's, let's not be confused here. Let's not have the sin of pride creep in right now. Every single one of us are capable of everything on that list and more. And if we allow the flesh to dominate our lives, that's your grocery list. Prepare for this to rule your life and ruin your life. But God, in his love, has provided an alternative to this list. Now, I want to look at verse 21 because I don't want people to take it, read it, and either underestimate it or overestimate it. Verse 21 says, I warn you as I warned before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, that does mean that the people who do these things don't go to heaven. They don't have forgiveness. They don't have right relationship with God. Now, it says the people who do these things. The word there in the original language talks about practicing these things. So what this passage is not, everyone say not, what this passage is not saying is if you've ever committed one of these sins, you're done, you're toast. Or if you ever struggle, like man, there's this, there's this battle in my life and most of the time I have victory, but every now and then I have, a, I, have a, I have a loss. That's not what this is saying. This is saying every person who lives constant, unrepentant, dominated, practicing sinful lifestyles probably don't have Christ and do not have the Holy Spirit. Because if you have the Holy Spirit, he's not going to just be in the corner, you know, letting you just do all of these things as your lifestyle, that your life would be characterized by these sins. This, this word here, in, in, in the, the, to do, this word practice is a present tense verb. It means you're always doing it. It's always happening. And so you can breathe a sigh of relief. It's like, oh my gosh, I, I sinned years ago. I made that mistake. I'm, I, that's it. Mm-mm. And so we know that it's not a matter of struggling or having a, a failure in this area. It's just unrepentantly continuing in it. For, and, and we see these examples in the Bible. Abraham lied, but he didn't practice lying. Moses lost his temper, but he wasn't described as an angry tyrant. Noah got wasted, but he wasn't a drunk. David committed adultery, but he didn't live a life of ongoing affairs. Thomas doubted, but he didn't become a heretic. Peter denied Christ, but he didn't abandon or deconstruct his faith. So there's a distinction, right, between a failure and an ongoing lifestyle with no repentance, no correction. And God loves us enough to say, I'm warning you, if that's your life, you're probably not going to heaven. You probably don't have Christ. You don't have the Holy Spirit. And that's a great warning because we all know people, and I hope it's not you, we all know people said, oh, I prayed a prayer when I was five, and now I get to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. That is a false sense of security. And it flies in the face of the Bible, and God says, you didn't read accurately. You didn't hear accurately. And so we have to heed the warning here. This is the gospel truth. It's a hard truth, but it's truth. But again, God in his love for us graciously offer, offers us rebellious creatures help, and in the best form possible, his own indwelling presence, right? And so he gives us the Holy Spirit. We become 
uh, spirit-filled, spirit-led people as followers of Christ. And when that happens, fruit comes, supernatural fruit, uh, spiritual fruit that we see here called the fruit of the Spirit. Look at verses 22 and 23 of Galatians 5. But, don't you love that word? Like, you just got done with all the bad news. Like, this is really a bummer. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so this is the fruit that comes from our lives, the indwelling spirit. What's interesting is even the words themselves have significance. We're talking about the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit, right? And so the works, this is a result of human effort. Works gives us imagery of laboring and straining. The flesh manufactures sinful actions and attitudes. So the way we try to counter that in our flesh is we try to generate good works and good behaviors to counter that. It's not going to work because it's the works of the flesh. But fruit, on the other hand, is organic. It's living. It's cultivated. It's developed. The Spirit grows these qualities in us over time. A, a machine or factory could never manufacture fruit, true, authentic fruit. It has to come from life, and life comes from God. And fruit grows when we yield to God's transforming power in our lives. And so we don't want to be people of works. We want to be people of fruit. Another attribute of fruit is this. Fruit is grown for the benefit of others. Like I've never walked down the fruit and produce aisle of a store and heard a banana going, look at me, don't I look good? I just, I'm just sitting here all yellow, just a tiny bit of green, perfectly ripe, just because it makes me feel good. No. I see a good-looking banana, I'm like, you're in my cart, and then you're in my belly, right? Fruit is to be partook of other people. So when God is working the fruit of the Spirit in your life, guess who's going to be the primary partaker of that fruit? You're probably sitting next to some of those people right now. Fruit is something for us, but it's also something from us that others experience. The others get to partake in. That's a convicting thought, isn't it? It's encouraging and it's convicting all at the same time. And so it's grown in us, but it's experienced by other people. Another helpful clarifier here on the word fruit is that the word fruit is singular. Um, there are a lot of people that with good intentions talk about the fruits of the Spirit. And, you know, all of a sudden they'll have a big fruit bowl up here and there's like grapes and apples and oranges and bananas. And like, you know, here's, here's the banana of patience and here's the grapes of gentleness. It's like, no, 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 that, that is actually not an accurate image. The word here is fruit. It's one piece that has these nine complex characteristics all made up of one. The best I can do in my brain is like a pomegranate. It's like one piece of fruit, but it's like all those little seeds make up the pomegranate, right? And so I think that should really, really encourage us because... If you have the Holy Spirit of the living God, all these nine characteristics are in you. The fruit of the Spirit's one piece in you. And all those nine characteristics are in you that God's growing and developing. God did not set you up for like a, a spiritual game of Mario Brothers. We have to like go along life picking up the different pieces along the way. Once you have the Holy Spirit, all nine qualities are there. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, but... <laughs> If you follow me around for a week, Chad, you will not see gentleness. 
You might not see love. You might not see self-control. What is that? Well, it's just like every other fruit. Some of that fruit is very well-developed in our life, and some is still developing. It's, it's that spiritual word, sanctification. Sanctification is a process that God is using us to transform us into a Christ image, to be more like Christ. And so don't be discouraged when you look at your life or others look at your life and they go, we don't see this one particular characteristic. It's in there. It just needs to be grown a little bit more. It just needs to be cultivated a little bit more. And praise God for the ones that are more evident because he's growing those and will continue to grow them, right? And so this is a very um, accurate understanding of the fruit of the Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, then he's developing the fruit of the Spirit in you. And so think organic, think growth, think development, think sanctification. Now, I want to take a closer look at the fruit of the Spirit because I want to make sure we have a, a, a good grasp of each one. And I'm going to talk about each one super briefly, but then I want to give you a question to think about in your life. And how would you answer this question right now, okay? So as God's continuing to work in you and grow you, and we look at this through the Spirit, let's look at love. It is the word agape. It does not merely mean an affectionate feeling, right? Oh, I love you. Yes, but that, that's not what's being said here. It's beyond an affectionate feeling. It's a self-denying, self-sacrificing act of the will to freely give yourself to another. It's a self-denying, sacrificing, intentional, effort-making type of commitment. So here's the question I have for you. Am I growing in my love for others without being motivated by the hope that I will receive something in return? but just to love others freely like Christ loves me freely. How are you doing there? Joy, a deep and lasting supernatural delight rooted in the Lord and his promises and purposes is present in both the good and bad circumstances. Question for you. Am I experiencing a regular joy in my life that is dependent on God rather than things going my way? Peace, it's the Greek word arene, it comes from the Hebrew word shalom. It's an inward calmness and sense of well-being, even in the midst of difficulties, because you know that God's in control and you can trust him. Question for yourself is, am I growing in a sense of peace in my life, even when I'm experiencing little or massive hardships? How's your peace meter, right? Patience, it's an interesting word. In the Greek, it's makrothumia. Makros, meaning long. Thumos, meaning temper. Patience literally means long-suffering. Some of you with little kids going, you're not kidding, buddy. It means to put up with, hold back our temper, even when provoked. And so, question for us is, am I experiencing a greater ability to tolerate Life's irritations, inconveniences, and seasons of waiting without lashing out at others. Long suffering. It is suffering to wait at times. But are you, can you stay long in that place? Kindness, a compassionate and considerate attitude towards others, wanting to help them and meet their needs. Question for you. Am I noticing the needs of others and drawn to compassionately meet them? Goodness. 
It's a character of holiness that God is working in your life, leading to a greater love for what's good and what's right. So a question you can ask yourself is, am I experiencing growth in doing what is good for me, what is good for others, and what's good for the glory of God? Faithfulness. One who's reliable, trustworthy, and has integrity. The question we can ask ourselves is, am I experiencing growth in integrity? Are others around me experiencing a greater trust of my words and actions? Gentleness. Controlled strength. This, this is, we have to be clear here. Gentle doesn't mean weak. Like, don't mistake our kindness for weakness, right? Gentleness means controlled strength. Meekness, not weakness. It's strength wrapped in tenderness. So a question we can ask ourselves is, am I increasing in gentleness and tenderness in my words and actions as I interact with other people? And lastly, self-control. Keeping selfish and sinful desires and urges under control. question we can ask ourselves is, are my urges and desires having less control in my life? and the Holy Spirit having more control. I hope as we went over that list, you had reason to celebrate, like celebrate what God's grown in you, but also there may have been some conviction about what God wants to continue to develop in you. How will you cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he does these things? And against, verse 23 is interesting, against this fruit of the Spirit, there's no law. Like you don't need to regulate people who are being loving and gentle and patient and peaceful. Like there's no law that we have to worry about because the fruit of the Spirit is going to drive our lives. And so as followers of Christ, we're ruled more by an inner law of Christ's love rather than an outer law of rules. We continue on, wrapping up chapter 5 here. Galatians 5, 24-26 says, And those, as an outflow of this Holy Spirit, right? And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. It's an interesting choice of words. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions. How long does it take a person to die of crucifixion? If you've studied crucifixion, if you studied this art of death, that the Romans perfected, it would take people hours, many hours to slowly die on the cross. And they didn't die because they were bleeding out of their hands and their feet. They died by asphyxiation because at some point they could no longer pull themselves up and get the wind that they needed into the lungs and they would die on the cross. It's an agonizing, slow death. When it says that we have crucified our lust and our passions and our flesh, How long does it take to choke out our flesh? It takes a while. Now, God can take something away from you immediately. Some of you have that testimony where God in his power absolutely eradicated a negative impulse of the flesh immediately in your life. But a lot of times it feels like, you know, you're trying to drown a rock. This is not happening. It takes forever. But as followers of Christ, we're committed to this crucifixion of Long, slow, painful death of our sinfulness and our sanctification. It comes online, and we become more like Christ over time. It takes a while. Do not be discouraged. And when you look at the people you love, and you still see that struggle in their life, 
Be gracious and patient because it's a process. But each day, each week, each month, each year, we should see growth. And that's the way God has designed it. Pastor, counselor, and author Paul David Tripp said this. He said, Jesus died so that unloving people would become loving, complainers would become joyful, fighters would become peacemakers, impatient people would grow to be willing to wait, unkind people would become those known for their kindness. Between the already of your conversion and the not yet of your home going, this is what God is working on in your heart and life. He works through all the mundane situations, locations, and relationships of your life to progressively transform you by his grace. Isn't that well said? Like, we're ready to go home now, right? So accurate. And so, modeling God's love can seem impossible. We look at this list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and we go, that's awesome. I really want that. How? Like, give me a how. Yes, pray. Yes, ask. But there's another way, and I want to tie in a very important part of how. Because in order to get the fruit of the Spirit, you have to walk with the Spirit. Well, how do I walk with the Spirit? In order to walk with the Spirit, you've got to sit with Christ. Would you say that with me? In order to walk in the Spirit, you have to sit with Christ. That's the reason I have not grown in areas to the level that I would desire. That's the reason many of us have not grown to the capacity that God has for us is because we're not sitting with Christ. It's the Bible word abiding, to be connected, to join, to linger, to sit with. John 15, 4 and 5, Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches, if... If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear, what are the next two words? Much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, what's the next word? Nothing. There's the problem. There's my problem. It might be yours too. The fruit of the Spirit is not achieved by working. It's developed. It's developed by abiding. And so in order to walk with the Spirit, you've got to sit with Christ. And if you're connecting the dots, here's what we see. If I sit with Christ, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. If I walk by the Spirit, I'll be led by the Spirit. If I'm led by the Spirit, I'm going to grow the fruit of the Spirit. And if I grow in the fruit of the Spirit, then I will become that Spirit-filled person experiencing a fruit-filled life. Because that's the truth. A Spirit-led person will experience a fruit-filled life. So what do you do from here? I've got two suggestions. The first is this. There's a possibility someone watching online or someone in this room doesn't actually have a relationship with Christ. Your first step to experiencing this joy of what God has for you here is to actually receive Christ, to transfer your trust from yourself and your works to what Jesus did by dying on the cross and raising from the grave. And as Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says, you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. But you have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If that's something that you have never done and you're ready to do, I invite you to literally just talk to the Lord right now. You can bow your head. You can close your eyes. You can stare at the ceiling. It doesn't matter. But if you authentically, genuinely in your heart can say this, Jesus, I'm a sinner. 
I'm lost, I'm broken. I can't work my way out of my sins or work my way to you. So I turn to you right now, believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave and are alive right now. And you're inviting me to come and follow you. And so right now, I commit my life to following you. If you've never done that, just tell the Lord that, but you've got to mean it. And if you do, say those words. Follow that kind of guide to take you to Christ. Please let us know so we can celebrate with you and help you. A couple next steps if that's you today. One is there's a little card in the seat in front of you or a couple seats down from you. Grab that. Fill it out on the information. There's a box here saying, Receiving Christ. Check that, like today's the day I'm receiving Christ. You've got a couple options with that. There's a couple black boxes on the wall as you walk out. Just drop it in one of them. But if you want to have a conversation and just have an extra minute, we'd love to just celebrate that with you. Bring it to myself and some of us that will be up here in the front afterwards. We'll have a little bit of a care and connection team over here. We'd love to just celebrate that with you. So, So that's you. Do that today. If you already know Christ, here's my application for you. Fiercely guard your time with Jesus. I have failed, and you did not listen well if you walk out of here with all the fruit of the Spirit on a checklist, and you've got to go this week going, I've got to, I've got to check them off and see if I did them right. Uh-uh. If you're going to walk with the Spirit, you have to sit with Christ. So fiercely guard that time. Where, where do you spend time with Christ? How long do you spend with them? Are you in the Word? Do you have a Bible reading plan? Are you talking to the Lord? Are you enjoying Him in that moment? The patience and gentleness that God has for you the peace, the joy, all that, that's where that will come from. So fiercely guard your time. This is what I want to do. I just want to take our last couple minutes and I want to give you a question to reflect on and just a time to pray, all right? So here's the first question. Which quality of the fruit of the Spirit have I seen God significantly grown to me? When you look over those nine characteristics, which ones do you go, you know what? By the grace of God and only by His power, I think I've seen that in my life grow. Just think about that. It's a love, it's a joy, it's a peace, it's a patience. Right now, just take a minute and thank Him for it. Yeah, right now, just pray. God, thank you. Thank you for growing me in this area. Just take a few seconds and thank God for that growth. Secondly, Which of those nine characteristics do you sense God wants you to grow in more? There's still room for a lot of growth. Would you just spend a minute right now and just pray pray two ways. Pray a prayer of confession. God, I'm sorry that this has not grown more in my life. Would you help me? It's the second prayer. Help me. Confess it's not there and ask God to help you. Would you take a few seconds and tell the Lord that, all right? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for seeing us in our condition, ruled by the flesh, dominated by the flesh, living lives with the works of the flesh. I know it hurts your heart. It's not what you have for us. We're so sorry. We're sorry for those acts of rebellion and 
independence and self-governance and all that we do to walk away from you. We're so sorry. But Father, we're so grateful that you gave us yourself. You gave us your spirit, you gave us your word, you gave us your son, you gave us the gospel so that we could be more like you, experience you, and experience this fruit. We would ask together today that you would grow all these fruit characteristics in our life in such a way that we get to experience it more and those around us get to experience it more. Help us to sit with you. Help us to know you deeply so these characteristics will flow from our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all said together. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Amen, amen, amen. Lord family, a couple things for you. One, um, we have two more weeks left in our Galatians series, so finish strong. Read chapter six. We're going to be unpacking chapter six next week. So look at it, read it, be prepared. Uh, don't miss you know Sundays. Um, then we're going to have a special Thanksgiving message that uh, we're going to be uh, focusing on leading up to Thanksgiving. And then we're going to be starting a new series in Christmas called the Advent Conspiracy. Some of you have done this before. Um, it's just really an opportunity to focus more intently on what Christmas is really about and how to refresh that understanding and activity in our lives. And so that's what's kind of coming for us down the road. Uh, Again, if you are newer to North, even if you have not given us a heads up, we want to do lunch with you here in a minute. So right outside these doors in about 10, 15 minutes, we're going to have lunch. We've got childcare provided, lunch provided. If you are newer to North, I'm going to be in there. My wife's going to be in there. We'd love to talk to you a little bit more about North and and meet you. And so uh, just drop in on us and hang out with us for a little bit. We'd love to do that. The rest of us, man, have a faith-filled, fruit-filled week. All right? God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.